X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday, August 11th. Today, back in the day, August 11th, 1973, was Cindy Campbell's birthday party. She and her friends held a party, a big party, in the rec room of an apartment building at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue in the Bronx. Her brother Clive was the DJ. Born and raised at the age of 10 in Kingston, Jamaica. After moving to the Bronx, Clive spun records at parties and between sets of his dad's band performances. He learned the style of Jamaican selectors, DJs, by toasting, by talking over the records. But his big innovation was how he spun the records. Here's Clive's quote. I was noticing people used to wait for particular parts of the record to dance, maybe do their specialty move. Those moments tend to happen at the drum breaks, when the vocals and instruments would go quiet and defer just to the beat. Clive decided to use the two turntables, not just as a way to smoothly transition between two records, but to switch back and forth between two copies of the same record, extending that short drum break that the crowd most wanted to hear. He called his trick the merry-go-round. He practiced and worked on that merry-go-round in 1973, and at his sister's party on August 11th, he had his biggest crowd and the best sound system he'd ever worked. By then, Clive Campbell went by DJ Cool Herc. The party was a smash. The merry-go-round is now called the breakbeat, that night sparked a grassroots musical revolution, and August 11th is considered by many to be not just Cindy Campbell's birthday, but the birth of what six years later Keith Cowboy Wiggins of the Furious Five called hip-hop, the most significant artistic contribution of the late 20th century. And this has been your segment of the White Guy Rap Band talking about the history of hip-hop. Today we'll start with your quick six news headlines. We'll have a field interview from civic reporter Augustina Elizabeth with a protesting veteran. And we have an interview with two Lewis and Clark College alumni discussing Take Action LC. X-Ray. First up, it is time for today's quick six local rundown. The Oregon legislature met in special session, passed some stuff, took no live testimony, and adjourned late at night. The legislature closed a $1.2 billion budget hole. They used reserves. They also identified $400 million in budget cuts and cost savings. They passed 11 bills in about 15 hours. The public wasn't allowed inside the building because of COVID-19. They also took no live testimony by Zoom as they had done before, only allowing written testimony. Here's some of what they got done. The biggest thing was the budget. Senator Mark Hass, Democrat of Beaverton, voted against the budget bill because he thought it disproportionately impacted a fund that helps Oregon high school graduates pay for community college. Senate Bill 1702, which would have helped school employees more quickly access unemployment benefits, died in committee when Republicans and Betsy Johnson blocked it. Senate Bill 1701 did pass. That'll allow unemployed workers to make up to $300 a week and still qualify for full unemployment benefits. Senate Bill 1703 also passed. That allows the Department of Revenue of Oregon to share information about self-employment income with the Oregon Employment Department. That's to help those PUA claims, that big backlog of self-employed claims. And House Bill 4301 passed. That's what came out of the Joint Committee on Transparent Policing and Use of Force Reform. The six or so things reformers were pushing, House Bill 4301 did a couple of them. It further tightens the rules around chokeholds set during the special session in June. Under the new bill, police are prohibited from using holds except for instances where they are trying to defend themselves or another person. The bill also changed the rules for when police can use physical force, including pepper spray or a stun gun or deadly physical force. Under the new rules... To apply deadly physical force, police must believe a person, quote, poses an imminent threat of death or serious physical injury, and that such force is necessary to make an arrest, prevent an escape, or defend the officer or another person. The bill also limits when an officer can use physical force to situations where they believe injury is imminent or to make an arrest or prevent escape. And whenever using force, police will be required to consider alternatives and give a warning if they have a reasonable opportunity to do so. On Monday evening, activists were meeting about how they might be able to engage with the bills. Well, 
They'll be able to engage with the bills by reading them now that they have passed. Mothers United leader Demetria Hester was arrested Sunday night during a demonstration outside the Portland Police Association headquarters. Hester is the leader of Mothers United for Black Lives. She was the victim of a hate crime committed by Jeremy Christian, the Max Train murderer, in 2017. Hester helped organize Mothers United for Black Lives as an alternative to the Wall of Moms group, which had been criticized for not sufficiently centering black voices. And Hester was arrested along with 15 other demonstrators for disorderly conduct and interfering with a police officer. The protest drew a crowd of 200 by 10, 10 p.m. The police declared the gathering was a riot, fired crowd control munitions at protesters. Two officers sustained minor injuries and clashes with the crowd. Protesters were followed by the police to Kenton Park, where several more were arrested, and Sunday marked the second consecutive night that authorities had declared a riot. Your daily dose of data. On Tuesday, the Oregon Health Authority reported 227 new COVID cases and one new death. The death toll in Oregon has now reached 357. There are now 21,488 total confirmed cases. And cases continue to rise as kids around the country are beginning to return to school. July saw a 40% increase of COVID-19 cases in children. Data from 49 states show children are not virtually immune, as the president has claimed. 97,078 new cases in children were reported from July 16th to July 30th. That's just a couple weeks. Here in Oregon, the fastest rate of infection in any age range occurred in children under 10. Mortality for children is low, representing only 0.06% of the total fatalities in the country and 0.03% of infected children. That said, it is unclear what other long-term effects may result from COVID-19 infection. It is not at all clear that it is a free lunch. Grant and Harney counties are having their first judicial election in 23 years. In January, Judge William Kramer stepped down from his role as head of the state circuit court that presides over the two counties. Over his 23-year career, he had never been challenged in an election. There are now two candidates running for the open seat. Jim Carpenter is the district attorney for Grant County. Rob Rascio is a career public defender. The campaign has not been entirely mud-free. Carpenter has been reprimanded for dishonesty, for posting anonymous online messages accusing a colleague of having sexual relations with minors. He described it as a practical joke. He's also the subject of complaints filed by a former police officer who claims that Carpenter investigated him as a potential political threat. Rascio was set to serve as the interim judge until 2021, but he failed to pass a background check due to a DUI arrest in 2010. He's also been accused of making demeaning comments about court staff. Whomever is elected will likely hold the seat for many years as circuit court judges very often go unopposed. Crater Lake has been popular and visitors are threatening the water and the ecosystem. The pandemic forced the park to close from March until June. The lake has been really popular since reopening and the staff is concerned that visitors are ignoring prohibitions. There have been reports of personal boats and dogs, both of which are banned due to the possibility of spreading invasive species. Seven people were cited on Friday for illegal climbing. Meanwhile, staffing at the park has been cut by 60 to 70 percent below pre-pandemic levels. A 7,700-year-old lake is one of the most pristine, large bodies of water in the world. So be careful with Crater Lake, folks. Some good news. The Hollywood Theater is going to host a series of drive-in movies at the Expo Center. The first film, Aliens, is going to be screened Thursday, August 13th. They're also going to have The Thing, Raising Arizona, Get Out, and Mad Max Fury Road. The movies will be played on a 60-foot screen. The emphasis at this point is clearly not education. But those are some fun movies. Hollywood Theater itself is still closed, and these movies will be playing at least through September 5th. Drive-in theaters are becoming more popular, with the Oregon Short Film Festival set to play in the parking lot of the Sunshine Mill Winery from August 16th to 19th. And that is today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. 
Portland continues to protest each night. Here is civic reporter Augustina Elizabeth with another voice from the protests. Can I get your name? My name is Arthur Wallace. Where did you serve, Arthur? I was in Iraq in Toledo in 2003 and 2004. And I noticed that you have a number of medals there. What what are these medals? These are standard issue. This is what you get if you join during the, during the war on terrorism. So I'm just wondering how you feel about federal marshals. Listen to me. The police are not the army. I don't want to live in a country where the police are the army. Okay? There's a difference between the military and the police. The civilian government has to be in charge of the police force. Okay? Even the mayor of the city got gassed yesterday. I looked dead in the eye a marshal just now with no badges on his uniform. And the, the, the government is calling this operation Diligent Valor. And I said, this is not Diligent Valor. And you know what he gave me? He gave me a CS gas shot right to the face. He looked me dead in the eye and shot me in the face. These guys are out here to scrap and fight. And this is, this is their, the time of their lives. They're having a great time. And I say, tear down the fence and put an end to it all. How, how would you advise as a military veteran for the civilians that are currently protesting to stay safe? Stay safe? No, get dangerous. Get dangerous? Organize, throw yourself into it, get hurt, and show them how hurt you are. Because this is, this is a moment in history. It's just a moment in history, okay? It's okay, you'll heal. You will heal. But get hurt and show them how hurt you are. So, so one of the things that I've been noticing as I've been covering these protests is that they don't use a lot of force when there are thousands of people here, but as the crowd starts to thin, they get more and more and more forceful. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that's because they're enjoying it. They're enjoying every minute of it. They're looking forward to watching everybody retreat, okay? So they wait for the, the crowd to grow, and they see it thin out, and they attack. And they watch everybody run away. They love it. They enjoy every minute of it. Why do you say that they enjoy it? I know these people. I know these people. Okay, they're they're looking at each other and saying, "Oh, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. We get to go against the f- Marxist crowd. They're having a great time." Do you think okay. that most of them think that the people out here are Marxists? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they're also getting paid overtime. Okay, imagine that. You get in a fight where you get to win every time. And you get to throw yourself on the line and pretend like you're doing a great thing. And you have nothing to lose. You're just having a good time hurting people. That's so, it. That's it. On May 6th, the new federal Title IX rule went into effect, narrowing the scope of the nearly 40-year-old sexual discrimination law. Critics have said that the new rules are inadequate for survivors of sexual assault. At Lewis and Clark College here in Portland, students have been suffering from lackluster Title IX compliance for some time. Now, students and alumni are speaking out. Joining us next are the leaders of Take Action LC. Thanks for being with us, you two. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you both run the Instagram page, Superstarter Pack. Can you walk us through the transition from posting memes to becoming the central voice advocating for change at Lewis and Clark? Yeah, um, so we are alums. We graduated a few years ago. Um, while we were there, we 
sort of made this meme page um, as a joke between friends and it sort of took off as sort of the unofficial Lewis and Clark meme page. Um, and, you know, we kind of always uh, brought politics into our memes, you know, making things about, um, it kind of started out actually as a response to the 2016 election. And so what's happened recently um, is an LC alum named Ella posted a YouTube video talking about her really terrible experience um, with filing a Title IX case with Lewis and Clark. Um, and you can watch that on YouTube. It has thousands of views now. So it really took off. Um, and then a group of alums that we weren't involved in, mostly international students, as Ella's also international student, mm -hmm. made a petition with demands. Um, and those demands basically were um, about asking for a better um, student rights and responsibilities officer, which is the people that um, run the Title IX office, and then to have consent education um, to support survivors with pro bono um, lawyers from the law school. And so we promoted that petition on our page since we had about 2,000 followers of all Lewis and Clark um, students or alums for the most part. And, um, and then we asked people to write in any stories that they had that were similar. And we were just kind of blown away when we got hundreds of responses um, mm. to uh, telling stories about sexual assault on campus, telling stories about the administration, um, pressuring them into not filing a Title IX case, um, about um, professors that were doing things that made them uncomfortable, sort of all across the board, um, different administrative issues with Lewis and Clark. Um, and from there, we had all these people reaching out, asking how they could help. And we actually had someone who was able to make a website. We have people making us infographics. We have teams that are reaching out, trying to write articles. Um, and so basically it turned into this whole movement. Um, and the leaders of the Page Super Starter Pack, um, the two of us have a lot of experience in political organizing and campaigning. Um, and so we were actually able to use our skills to also kind of create our own campaign. Wow. So as these accounts are coming into you all, what are some of those common themes amongst these amongst these stories that you're that you're hearing? Yeah, I think the general theme is negligence on the part of the administration. So mm -hmm the campus living office which is in charge of dorm life and the ras and then the student rights and responsibilities department which is in charge of title nine cases student complaints student policy violations and ideally should be providing the students with resources for all of these issues so a big theme is mishandling of Title IX cases. Mm. And in the case of Ella, the student who was mentioned, you know, not receiving any support for legal counsel, any information about how the Title IX process works, any therapy or support of any kind. And in the cases of other students who reported their assault or harassment without um, wanting to pursue any legal action. There was still no kind of follow-up therapy, any kind of support. And another big theme was RAs who are traumatized from their RA experience and also were dealing with a big lack of support when 
having to deal with really heavy issues like residents who were suicidal or who had really big mental health issues. Um, and I think one big theme that kind of surprised both of us a lot is uh, sexual abuse in the health center. Oh. So yeah, there was one specific nurse that I think our friend group at LC had some questionable experiences with, but we were not aware of the numbers of how many people had had horrible experiences with this specific nurse. Wow. So the stories that you're getting are are showing that the institutional supports that exist to support students aren't being responsive or, or even uh, actually being more damaging to the students' yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. Have there been resources that have emerged that, that um, are places where students can get help? Uh, yeah, so um, I mean, what's been interesting is that a lot of people's stories, you know, it's kind of like they call out an individual professor or one therapist that really helped them or a best friend. Um, and so we're seeing all these different um, these different places, but it's like that should be a secondary tier of support. Um, and when you're being told not to file a Title IX case or um, being told uh, that if you report something, that something will happen um, and none of that's happening. And so we've really come up with different ideas of how we could change what's happening right now. So basically, you have these two avenues. If um, you're assaulted on campus, you can file a Title IX case or you could report it. And that report basically goes into a file that if that's can be accessed if there's a lot of cases um, about the same person, it can be moved on to the police. But what happens is people file a Title IX case, A, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and the school is really not transparent about what will actually happen if you file a Title IX case, which is when you get lawyers involved. And if there's a family that is wealthier than the other family, then they can kind of destroy the survivor with their um, legal means. Or you report it, and you would think that reporting it and not wanting to go down this legal avenue would do something, but really there's nothing in place at the school that does help you in, this, in that specific avenue. So uh, the waiting list is usually like two months to get a therapist. Um, and people had stories about not being able to move out of their dorm where their abuser was or their abuser works in the dining hall and we only have one dining hall and you have to see them twice a day. And um, because of this, people don't want to report it because there isn't really anything that's helpful. So what, where we've really been seeing the places that people have been able to get help are those specific individuals. Um, and what we're hoping to do is really bring light to these issues as well as come up with alternatives as to what could change in order for people to get support from people that aren't just your professors or a close friend, but in addition to those people. Has there been any response by the administration so far to your requests? Yeah, so we actually wrote a list of demands um, about last week, it took us a few weeks to come up with the demands because we wanted them to be really carefully worded and very direct. 
Um, and we were actually really excited that a few days ago, the president of Lewis and Clark sent out an email to everyone on the Lewis and Clark listserv mm. um, in specific response to our page. Um, and one demand that they have met um, that we are happy to see that they're they're trying to meet our demands um, is that they're launching an investigation of the health center. Um, and a lot of people also individually uh, made complaints through the Oregon Board of Nursing, and they are also starting an investigation. So uh, it is good to see that um, they are starting to hopefully meet our demands, um, which I can also go over right now. Yes, um, please. Kind of an overview. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Um, yeah, so adopting a survivor-centered transformative justice system is the first one. Two, perpetrators of sexual assault must commit to an accountability program. Three, open in investigations of misconduct, malpractice, and abuse in the health center. Four, provide expansive, accessible, and free trauma-informed therapy for students. Five, hold student rights and responsibilities and campus living accountable for their negligence and lack of transparency. And six, provide appropriate training and ongoing support for RAs and ADs. So we have those six demands, um, and they're on our they're on our Instagram page, which is super starter pack, but pack is spelled P-A-C like political action committee. Mm -hmm. um, and so our third one has been met. They've opened investigations. Um, and the response was not uh, super informative, but it is good to see that he's reading the stories and is aware of the issue. Yeah. And where can our listeners, or how can our listeners best support your work? Yeah, so I think that there's a lot that people can do. Um, I think the most basic thing, or maybe the first step is just to, you know, start supporting survivors in your own life and community, you know, calling out abuse or discriminatory behavior when you see it or jokes about sexual violence or race. Um, but in addition to that, you can find more information about our movement at takeactionlc.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at superstarterpack. And on our website, you can find an email template that people can use as a base email to send to Lewis and Clark administrators. So you don't have to be a current student to speak out about this. You can write as a concerned community member, um, send them an email outlining our demands. Um, that's a great way to help out. There are a lot of great places to donate to also. Um, one organization that's helped us a lot is called Know Your Nine. And it helps organize and educate students in high school and universities to start Title IX movements at their own school. Mm. Um, another really great place to donate to is called the Anti-Violence Project. And this is primarily a, an organization that provides resources for LGBTQ survivors. And you can find chapters all over the states and so you can go online and donate to your local chapter. Um, also, there's a lot of great places where you can educate yourself about transformative justice and alternatives to, you know, punitive solutions to violence in your community. 
And we found a lot of great resources for that. Excellent. Yeah, and I just wanted to add that we also have a GoFundMe that you can um, find on our website. Um, and we're using this to pay for things like our website, um, for Photoshop, um, for different software. And also we're hoping to help our contributors. Um, a lot of the people who have been doing art um, and writing for us are unemployed um, due to the pandemic. <laughs> and so um, that is a very concrete way to help us out. And also, yeah, just supporting our cause, reading about it. All of the testimonies are on our website. So mm -hmm. if that interests you, reading those testimonies, um, sharing them, um, yeah, getting involved. Another thing is, um, if you want to find other pages like this one, you can type in survivors at um, on Instagram and you will find hundreds of pages from different schools where they're doing really similar work. Um, and it was actually funny because, well, funny in kind of a sad way, but we started this movement without realizing how many other pages had actually been doing very similar work, um, kind of breaking the silence. Um, and so, you can there's a lot of places to read i think just educate yourself if you're not a college student or you didn't go to college um a lot of this does have to happen um on college campuses but you can also learn about it by reading or um, speaking to other people you know that were survivors um, from college campuses and just trying to get involved and get educated um, is really important right now mm. And can listeners find your GoFundMe on your website? Yeah, it's on our website. Um, there's a tab that says donate, um, and that'll link you to our GoFundMe. Excellent. Thank you too, so much for bringing this to our attention and helping uh, everyone know how, how to take action around this need that you've identified. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks to Augustine Elizabeth and Lewis and Clark alumni for joining The Local and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving a 19-star review or just five. Five is fine. And thank you, democracy. Talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.